Hello, and welcome to Scared by Scott. I'm your host, Scott Newman. This episode contains two stories for you. But before we get to the stories, there's a couple of things I'd like to mention. First, I'd like to thank everyone who's been listening, rating, and reviewing the podcast. I really appreciate it. And this will only help the podcast continue to grow and reach new listeners. So again, thank you for listening and rating and reviewing it. I'd also like to mention that the podcast is now available on YouTube as well, if you'd like to listen to the podcast there. So look for it under Scared by Scott, and be sure to subscribe. From time to time, I'm going to be mentioning other podcasts that I think you might be interested in. There's one that I recently discovered called Horror Villa, and it's hosted by, and I'm hoping I'm getting the name right, Ashtush Gupta. It's an Indian podcast show that will tell you the real as well as the fiction story of a ghost and other unseen horror. It's available on iTunes, Spotify, and other all-major podcast platforms. Be sure to check it out when you get a chance. Now let's go and get to the stories. Speaking of stories, I'd also like to introduce a new writer contributing to the show today. His name is Shanar Ola, and he's a writer of horror and science fiction stories. He recently published a novella, I hope I said that right, on Amazon under the title Freedom. It's about aliens that feed on the freedom and rights of human beings. So, thank you for contributing your story, Shanar Ola. So, let's get to the stories. First story is titled, If Something Smells Nice, Start Worrying. I work for a small newspaper company, and I usually just write about things happening in the community. One story, though, got me particularly interested, and it was about a woman who lived in filth. Her neighbors had been complaining about odd, foul smells coming from her house. It isn't the type of story I usually do, but it was different, and that's what got me interested. When I got to her house, I could could clearly see from the front of the house how filthy it all was. The thought of going inside started to become a regrettable decision. I mean, first encounters count, right? And I didn't mean to be so judgmental straight away, but looking at her house, it gave off the sort of impression that this was a person who didn't look after herself that much. I also talked with some of the locals, and what they told me about her didn't give off a good judgment of character. This woman was clearly out of touch with everything around her. At the same time I wanted to know more about her, me being a nosy person, I couldn't help but wanting to know more about her. Clearly something had happened in her life to make her live like this. I had already called her to make sure she was okay with me looking into her life, and she agreed to show me her way of life, 
and to explain to me why she lives the way she does. The filth had a stench, and I was surprised that she hadn't died from any bacteria or virus, because it seemed like the right environment for those things to survive. Her mental state was questionable, and she had old cassette players and VHS players all over the place, which really don't exist anymore. When I asked her why she lived like this, all that she could tell me was that as long as filth smelled like the way it should, it was all good. Everything was a mess, and I don't know why, but it kind of all got me being grateful for the things I had in my life. On the other hand, I am sure someone with OCD would love to clean every speck of this place, and with everything out of order, it told me that her life must have been out of order. Things were broken, and she survived on government benefits and some inheritance from her parents. I could hear small things moving around, and they must have been rats or some other animal. It's weird how animals can survive in such mess. I guess their immune system must be better than ours. Actually, maybe this woman's immune system might be amazing at this point, because she had survived this long in this mess. She then told me about her mother and father. She was brought up in a five-bedroom house. She also had two younger siblings, and after she had told me about her siblings, I quickly assumed that they had wanted nothing to do with her, which I was gravely wrong about. I tried asking more questions about her upbringing, but all she told me was, just go to the house of my childhood and notice how the filth gives off an amazing aroma. I then went to her childhood home, and I could clearly see it had been abandoned for many years, and Mother Nature had clearly taken over the house. It's sad how houses begin to go under after they've been abandoned, and it reminded me of the only thing I had remembered in my sociology class before I changed courses to journalism. It's people that give meaning to buildings and materialistic things, not the object itself. I kicked the door down as I could clearly see the front door was past its prime. From what the house looked like, I had expected odor and stench to hit my nose, but instead I got to smell the most amazing aroma I had ever smelled in my life. I then started searching her childhood home for anything interesting to find. This woman's childhood home was exactly like her own house, and I don't know why, but I started to become irritated by this woman. In my generation, we are finding it difficult to even buy a house, and even if someone from my generation had managed to somehow buy a home, it's hard to keep it maintained. Yet this woman had managed to live in a big childhood home, as well as having her own home, which clearly... She had managed to neglect it. It's unfair, but I guess life is just unfair. It was all a mess, and I was beginning to find it all predictable with the neglect of 
having any care or pride in one's own life. Maybe her parents were abusive, and I wondered more about her siblings, because now I wanted to know why she was so alone in the world. We all need someone no matter who we are, but then again, loneliness is a big problem in Western civilization, and we even have someone in the government whose main job is to tackle things like loneliness. Loneliness becomes more apparent as we get older, and this woman was old now, and with the inventions of social media and computer games, it made loneliness even stronger. The only good but odd thing about this woman's childhood home is the nice aroma and smell. I decided to follow the aroma because I couldn't resist it anymore. The aroma could be smelt from behind the sofas. And you know in, how in cartoons, when one character follows a pack of sweets all lined up because it was being set up, that's what happened to me. When I looked behind the sofas, I gasped with horror and with utter disbelief because I never thought I would ever look upon something so disgusting and completely random. I saw four skeleton bones still giving off a perfume-like scent. And this is not the type of smell you would think death could give off. I mean, with an amazing smell present, you would think something was full of life to give off such a scent. I went back to see the woman, but I didn't call the police just because I wanted to know more and I wanted her permission first of how to proceed with everything that I had just found. When I told this woman of filth what I had experienced in her childhood home, she started tearing up. <laughs> Instead of calling the police, she just turned on the VHS player, and I started to watch something, like an explanation video. At the same time, I also had to shamefully admit that as a journalist writer, finding all of this would have progressed my career in the journalism world. Even though I just found something terrible, my career coming to my mind showed how I could have profited from this, and how the video told me more things about what was really going on. Hello, my name is Dr. Roginson Peek. I have invented a pill that could make any dead person smell nice. When a body starts decomposing, it usually starts to smell. But with this pill, a decomposing body will be the most sweet-smelling thing you have ever smelt. The cassette player kept on playing. After watching the whole video, a few thoughts came to mind. Yes, the pill would give the dead person a bit more dignity by smelling nice, and it will also help people deal with dead bodies like in hospitals. But at the same time, this might be a great advantage for a murderer or serial killer. Imagine someone who had murdered somebody in your home, but the murdered person had this pill before being murdered. It could be sometime before you notice something is off. 
something smelling nice usually doesn't give an image of death or tell you that something is decomposing. It's always the nasty smell which makes us think something is off. Like when I was in this woman's childhood home, I honestly didn't think I would find something to be dead. Do you see how this might be an advantage for a serial killer or murderer? And I started to understand why this woman lived the way she lived now for such a long time. I felt bad for being so judgmental or for thinking about my career gain off this whole story. I also started to glue together who those skeletons belonged to. From common sense, those skeletons behind the sofa in her childhood home must have been her two parents and two siblings. And I thought they had just abandoned her because of the way she had lived her life. Is someone trying to kill you? I asked this woman. My whole family took part in the experiment to eat the pill. We were struggling for money at the time, and they promised us that they would pay us lots of money to eat the pill. They weren't 100% honest with us, and none of us knew what the pill was made for exactly, she told me. She started crying a little bit, and the more I understood her story and why she lived the way she did, it was sad, just so sad, how we humans can be so unsympathetic or not care enough to understand someone, but rather to just judge and cast aside. After taking the pill, one midnight someone broke into my home, and I was just a child back then, and this man had murdered my mother, father, and both my siblings. I hid in a secret wall cupboard in my room, which my father had built. For weeks, this strange man who broke into my house observed my whole family's dead bodies. They all started to smell nice as they decomposed. I overheard him talk on the phone, and they wanted to use this pill in war and other scenarios where death is common, but they wanted to hide the deaths and murders. If something smells nice, no one would ever think something had died, this woman explained to me. She managed to escape when the strange man went for a smoke in her garden, and I couldn't believe what I had just been told. This story was not just a story, but probably one of the biggest scandals in the 21st century. I had to write about this and get this story out, and I phoned the police about the four skeletons in this woman's childhood home. Something had to be done, and we all know how shady the government can be and some of the things they are capable of. This woman deserved justice. I gave her a hug, and she pleaded with me not to go to the police, but obviously I decided to go against her word. I went back to my flat, and as soon as I entered, a beautiful scented aroma hit my nose. But I never sprayed anything inside my flat recently. I checked 
around everywhere and I found a dead body in my bathtub. The dead body had a note attached to it which read, Be wary of your steps, lad. I strayed away and drove to this woman's house, and this time, instead of the scent of filth hitting my nose, it was a perfume-like aroma, and I knew she had been murdered in her own living room. There was a note on her body which read, We are watching, and the dead body in your flat has been taken now. And I couldn't believe it. I checked her childhood home, and everything inside had been taken. No sign of police of any kind anywhere. They knew I would check on this woman after finding a dead body in my apartment as well as her childhood home. I am being watched now. Our next story is titled, 20 Mile Stretch. The open road was calling to me. I had just plopped into the driver's side, getting ready to head home from watching a local high school basketball game with my best friend. Now mind you, this was no ordinary vehicle. It was my pride and joy. My baby, you might say. A 1967 Chevy Impala, a gift from my parents to me when I turned 16 many moons ago. My 26th birthday was coming up in about a month, our 10-year anniversary of being together. It's just a car, you might say, but this black beauty was all I had to call my own lately since my wife and I had separated. The drive back to my cramped little apartment was a little over 20 miles a straight shot south on a two-way highway that stretched through southern Wisconsin to northern Illinois. The whole trip took only about 30 minutes if I kept up at the posted speed limit with the Kangeli getting stuck behind a truck or two until the opportunity arose to pass it up. On this night, the sun had set early it was, and I was going a bit slower than usual. If you've ever come up this way before, you know the landscape changes quite a bit from flat farmland to overbearing hills and even rocky cliffs as well. I was about 10 minutes into my trip when I noticed in my side mirror a car that had just passed me going the opposite direction suddenly slowed down and turned around to now head in my direction. Now I was hanging around 40 miles an hour so all I could see were two headlights that were now coming up behind me at an ever-increasing accelerated rate. Soon the other car was almost on top of me, but I still couldn't make out much beyond the brightness of the headlights. The other driver began to honk his horn incessantly. Giving the only response that I could muster, I tried to signal him in the rearview mirror to go around me, while throwing my one hand up, as if to non-verbally say, What do you want from me? He continued to honk, and as soon as I could see him waving both his hands frantically at me, I didn't know what this person wanted, 
and I was growing increasingly concerned about what might happen if I pulled over. With no other cars on the highway except for us at the moment, the other driver sped up to get right beside me. I saw through the window he was just some ordinary-looking guy. No one I had ever remembered meeting before or recognized. He was now repeatedly pointing with his index finger at something, pointing up towards the top of my car. Again, I threw my hands up, mouthing, What? That was until we passed a street light that with its dim orange glow I could now see what the other driver had been seeing. On top of my car, I could see in the reflection of the other car's window as we passed the light was a man. I looked over once more at the other driver. We now shared the same look of shock and disbelief in our faces. I quickly turned the face of the road once more and just stared in a daze for what seemed like a few minutes. I then did the only thing I could think of. I put the accelerator to the floor and gunned it up to 60. Not second-guessing myself after that, I quickly slammed on my brakes as I witnessed the man, or whatever it was, fly over the hood and disappear into the darkness ahead of me. The other driver just kept going. Can't say I blame him. It would have been nice to tell him thank you, at least. I watched as he sped off into the night, his taillights disappearing soon enough. I backed up a bit, and then I decided to take a closer look at what, what lay before me. It was laying still, on its back with its limbs flayed out in all directions. Upon closer inspection, using what light my headlights provided, I could see it had no hair on its head. Actually, it didn't seem to have any hair on its body at all, with its skin more albino color than human-looking. I determined that it was some kind of humanoid creature compared to looking human from my first glance earlier. At that point, it still hadn't moved, and thinking it was probably dead from the impact, I decided to just go around it and finish heading home. I thought about calling the police or the highway patrol, but I wasn't sure I could explain what had happened to them without sounding drunk or insane. Putting the car back in the drive, I slowly crept past, not taking my eyes off of it. Once I had safely passed it, I sped up, with the thing quickly becoming a blur in my rearview mirror. I could only hope that if someone else found it, it was truly dead, and that its body on the highway would be called in and taken care of by the proper authorities. I got home not too soon afterwards and decided to park on the street in front of my apartment building instead of in the garage. I quickly crashed onto my bed and fell asleep. I was spared from having any nightmares that night about horrific-looking creatures hiding over the cover of darkness. The next morning I awoke to the sound of the front doorbell and persistent knocking. When I answered, two uniform officers were there to greet me. To my surprise, I was asked if I had heard any strange noises 
or had seen anything out of the ordinary last night. I said, no, of course. And when I asked why, they told me that a young couple walking their dog last night in this neighborhood was attacked by what they can only describe as an animal. The couple survived with minor injuries, but apparently the dog was lost to this animal attack. The officers thanked me for my cooperation and recommended that I keep a close watch on any pets I might have. When they left, I walked over to my car to examine it for any signs of what I may have witnessed last night. Oddly enough, there were none, but it was like the thing was never there. Was it possible that thing survived and then somehow tracked me home? Did it attack those people and kill their dog? It was then I noticed something on the ground that I had not seen earlier, and I'm guessing the officers hadn't seen it earlier either. I saw two sets of long claw marks on the pavement, claw marks that led away from underneath my car. I swear the creature I saw last night had no claws. This concludes our episode for today. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check the show notes for information about the stories and authors presented in this episode. Please be sure to subscribe to Scared by Scott wherever you listen to horror podcasts. Until next time, try not to get scared.